In Sex After, we are getting raw and honest about the most challenging aspects of sex, intimacy, and relationships after seismic change. This is Amy Marks. We're having intimate and unfiltered conversations with people who've been through life-altering experiences, and I'm finding out what sex and intimacy are like for them in the after. We're getting naked physically and getting naked emotionally. This is Sex After. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Rory Uphold. Rory is an actress, producer, writer, and comedian. She is the host of Crimes of the Heart podcast, a love and dating podcast with a true crime twist. Part storytelling and part advice column, Crimes of the Heart helps you navigate dating in the digital age and makes you feel less alone in the process. In this episode, we talk about how sex and dating are not the same thing. We talk about mindset, making an action plan, and moving beyond what holds us back. Rory and I get very personal as I share my own struggles dating as a woman over 50. She delves into what is getting in the way of what I say I want and helps me to take steps to find a way to move forward. I promised her that I would report back from Taiwan and let her know how my dating life is going. This show is a must for anyone who wants to have a conversation about how to get over a breakup, moving forward, dating, and finding love. Because Rory believes that love is out there for anyone and everyone. I am so excited to get this conversation underway. So please welcome Rory Uphold. I was listening to uh, your podcast and you talked about something which just, you, you're very funny. You, you, I was listening to your stuff and I was laughing out loud quite a few times. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. But you talked about a situationship and you're either the chicken or the pasta. And can you just like talk about that? Because I just thought that, <laughs> I just thought that was like the greatest way to describe it. And can you just tell everyone? Oh, what that's well, about? I guess the, my, I was saying like, this is a really good way to get over a situationship because I think that people get caught. But how in would you describe, how would you just, how would you describe a situationship? I think a well, okay. I think a situationship is basically a type of dick sand. And what is dick sand? It is. So I grew up my whole life thinking that quicksand was something that could kill me, which is actually just invented by the movies. Oh, really? I mm-hmm. I always thought it could kill you too. No. Oh. Yeah. So surprise, but dick sand will. And also, that's like a heteronormative thing coming from a woman. It could also be clit sand, whatever you want. It's any kind of relationship that holds you in stasis, right? So like a treadmill relationship where you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going, no final destination. We're not, we're, we're in this relationship. We're not really going anywhere. It's good, but it's like, we, we're never getting off the, we're never getting off the tread. But that could also be like incredible sex that like reels you in or it's intoxicating. There's so many different variations of it. I think a lot of people get stuck in like a textual relationship or the kind of relationship that is really undefined mm-hmm. for a myriad of reasons. Sometimes I've been people... in many of I've been in many of those. Right. Right. And what that ultimately boils down to is either you or the person is really unsure about what you want and what you want with that specific person. And so if you are in a situation with someone that you like and you wish that you were exclusive or you wish that it was more defined and you need to get over it, 
I was like, okay, well, think about this guy at dinner. And you guys are staring at the menu. And he's just like agonizing. Should I get the chicken or the pasta? Oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's like, that would give me such an ick. Like that gives, that icks me out. Like, I don't know, bro, fucking decide and just choose, right? (laughs) But in a situationship, you're either the chicken or the pasta. Uh, Babe, like he doesn't know. Right. It's either you or the pasta. So get the ick and just move on. Right, and make the choice. I just and make thought, the choice. And make the choice. But I thought putting it that way was so fantastic. And what I find a lot in dating, and I'm curious if you feel a similar way, I've had a, a strong history of being with men that can't fully, fully commit. It's sort of partially committed, but not fully. I'm sorry, I just really got so turned off when you said that. Said what? It's just that's so unattractive. Oh, that they can't fully commit. Oh, like, I was like, you didn't get turned up. I know, I know. Ooh. But I I know, but I kept getting myself into these situations, right? Yeah, so as after we as we do. So after lots of therapy and just a lot of really looking at myself, I realized what is the factor that remains the same for all of this? And I was like, it's me. Mm. It's me. I'm the one who probably can't fully commit, which is why I keep finding these men that can't fully commit. I think it could be that. I also think like, I mean, this is going deep, but is there I like a to go of, deep. Is there a part? Yeah, me too. Honestly, like pun to intended. Deep. There <laughs> you have like, it. Deep, rhythmically, you know, let's get Absolutely. in there. Absolutely. Um, is there a part of yourself that doesn't love yourself enough? Uh, like for me, I just think that it's a lot easier to compromise on your boundaries when what you want outweighs how much you love yourself. I agree a thousand percent. A thousand percent, because we can say, I love myself. I truly love myself. But when you really get down to it, do you? Yeah. And well, so I, I find for me, the more I work on myself, the more I love myself, more I put it in quotes, the better partner I'll find for me. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely true. I mean, I would venture to say that when you found yourself in relationships where people were not committing to you, it was probably because your desire for a relationship outweighed the kind of relationship that you wanted. Like you wanted to have both, but at the end of the day, you were willing to compromise on these little boundaries because what you want, you wanted so badly to be loved. And I just don't think that that's embarrassing. I think that that's really normal and human. It's not a oh, path forward, but you know, I think we we all that's a very relatable thing. I've 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 totally been there. And now I'm just at a point where I'm like, nah. Like I just love myself way too much that mm. to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I I heard what you said and was like, "Oh, I'm sorry that is so unattractive." Like it's weird when you said that couldn't fully commit. I just saw somebody like not being able to get it up, which I don't even mean that in like a let's shame people for whatever stuff in the bedroom. It was more just like I got this flash of like, oh, that is so unattractive. And that is my actual response. Whereas in the past, I might have been like, well, maybe I can prove to him how good I am or maybe I can change him or whatever. And that's like, no, because all you're trying to do is prove it to yourself. Oh, been there, done that. I read, I either read or heard that you said, I'm quoting you and tell me if I'm quoting you correctly. Oh, Lord. When you said, (laughs) Falling in love with myself made it a lot easier to just walk away from the game of dating and excited for whoever comes next. That does sound like something I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> no, it sounds like it me. Is. Yeah, yeah. It 
is you. It yeah. is you. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, but that's the, that's the truth. You know, like I really got the shit kicked out of me. Uh, it's getting ghosted by a guy that gets you pregnant is pretty horrific. I mean, I've, I've said it in a way that makes it sound cavalier. It was anything but that. It was like my, my actual rock bottom. And that I had the show or no, I guess I didn't have the show then, but that wasn't the thing that like the podcast was already in motion. It just wasn't on the air at that time. But I guess like that's the moment that everything kind of coalesced. Like I think in the same way that like the death of a parent or a loved one is like a great equalizer. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. it's just everything comes into perspective. That was that moment for me where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm never doing things this this same again. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm different now and um, for better or worse, like I – would rather be alone than ever share space, intimate or not, with somebody that does not totally value and appreciate what it, I bring to the table. And that's my wish for everyone. I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to say that. And how would you, if someone came on and said the question to you, because I know you get a lot, a lot of questions and I want to delve into that. But what would you say to someone if they were like, I just don't love myself enough and what do you think I can do? What, what I'd be like, I... we're immediately going to change that. <laughs> that and cannot be. And how would, you, how would be. you change that? And how would you change that? Yeah. So I do have a plan for that. Um, and it's, I actually do help people. I don't ever advertise this, but I do coach um, clients on a very specific basis to mm-hmm. help them, to help them through this. It's a thing that happened to me accidentally just because I was doing it. Um I would basically start and say like, okay, great. We're going to come up with a 90 day plan and that's where we're going to start. And we have to do a couple of things. One, we have to rewire the story that you're playing on a consistent basis, which is going to rewire the neural pathways in your brain. So first off, let's get down to the like mantra that you are saying to yourself, whether it's this always happens to me, if I were prettier, if I were thinner, if I were richer, if I, whatever, (laughs) what is that? Let's write those all down and let's come up with new ones. And it's going to be brutal. And when you start, you're going to have to stop and start probably 200 times a day. But as time goes on, if you are really committed and serious, you'll do it maybe once a day, you'll do it maybe twice a day, but you have to recognize like how often you're saying mean shit to yourself. Right. And then we have to course correct it and double down. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is like confidence and self-love comes from trust. And how do you build trust? Well, it's the same way you build trust in a relationship, like incremental little things over time. So then I would say we need to get, let's just call her Rachel. Rachel, we need to get you to prove to yourself that you are trustworthy to help build self-confidence and self-trust. Now, how do we do that? Well. We'd start off by coming up with a list of like goals and then a list of tasks. And then I also do like a list of things you love. And so you have so what three would, lists. What would, be, what would be the goals, tasks? Like what would some of the goals and tasks be? So, for Rachel. For <laughs> Rachel. Like so for Rachel, maybe a goal is she wants to write a book. Maybe she wants to run a marathon. Maybe she wants to start a business. Maybe she um, wants to learn how to 
or maybe it's that I, I want to spend more time with my friends. Like it really can be anything. I think it just needs to be specific. Tasks are things like I've been meaning to reorganize my garage. I want to paint the living room. I I need to take my car to do whatever. You know, like these are things that aren't like immediate on your to-do list, but they're overarching things. And then I would say the third list is like things that bring me joy, things that I love. We're going to combine all of them. And anytime you are sad, you're going to look at that list and you're going to do something from it. But you're also going to look at the goals and be like, okay, just how you would like if you decided you were going to go on a diet or if you were going to learn Spanish. You know, that's not something you're going to be able to cram into one day. So how do we how do we go from speaking zero Spanish to learning a bunch of verbs? Well, right. we're going to block in 15, 20, 60 minutes of time every day. So that has to happen for the goals. And I've used this example. I don't love using it because people have a lot of feelings about diets, but it is the most relatable because it's like so colloquial. If you say, I'm starting my diet tomorrow and then you don't do it Mm -hmm. and then you do it again and again and again, a week goes by and suddenly you feel like shit about yourself. Right. Because you've proved to yourself, you know, seven days in a row that you do not do what you say you're going to do. You are not a trustworthy, reliable source. But if you say, uh, my diet starts tomorrow and then you wake up and you do whatever said diet entails and you do that for a week, you're going to feel on top of the fucking world. Absolutely. So that's part of it. And by combining goals, but also things that you love, you're going to feel better and better and better about yourself because you're making progress in areas that you've wanted to invest in. Right. You're doing things that you love. And then tasks are things that you know, if it's go through my closet, it's impossible not to feel great about the fact that you went through your closet because you can literally see that accomplishment. Correct. So all of these things are helping to boost like short-term serotonin with long-term goals. And if you do that in conjunction with the mantras and the reprogramming, you will, you will not be the same person 90 days from now. And how did you come up with this? Did you come up with this because you did this yourself? Yeah. Or was it from, yeah. No, I just came up with it. So if there's if some doctor is listening and is like, <laughs> you're wrong, feel free to DM. You're wrong. Um, you're wrong. But yeah, no, I, it's just how I've helped myself. And it has worked, you know. I'm like my greatest test subject. And how has doing your podcast changed your uh, relationship to dating? Well, I'm fully off dating apps. <laughs> you are. All right. So what made you, so I'm curious, what made you uh, do the decision to go fully off dating apps? Because I'm off, I'm off them too. And everyone's like, go back on them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So I'm curious as to what made you make that decision. It's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, it was like lived experience, but now I know too much. You, what know? Do you know? Like, what do you know? Well, they're, they're working exactly as they were intended to work. Dating apps were not created to actually help you find love. And the reason why we know this is because the literal founders of said apps have done countless interviews and announced that to the whole world. 
you know, then they just did studies after and surveyed their own users and realized like, oh shit, people actually do want to find love on this. So they changed the branding, but they never changed the algorithms. And all dating apps are owned by one company except for one. So Bumble's not owned by the match group, but the rest are owned by the match group. They all have the same algorithms and they all use intermittent reinforcement, which is the same algorithms that are used for slot machines. And it makes sense because people get addicted to gambling and they squander their their whole lives, their their livelihoods, you know, their kids' college funds, like insane stuff. And we don't look at that and go, how dare they? We, we all kind of understand like, oh yes, it's an addiction mm-hmm. and they fell prey to it. But nobody kind of realizes the dating apps are doing the exact same thing. If you, I think it was done, it was a study done um, with pigeons, I believe, and it's called the variable ratio schedule. They also did it with mice or rats who there was like a button that they could push and intermittently they would get like a treat or something. And the rats or the mice got so addicted to it, some of them died because they were just so focused on pushing the button. These creators of these dating apps wanted to affect behavioral change. And I think that they've been really successful in that. I'm not going to sit here and say that dating apps are the only reason why dating and love has been, is, is more challenging now than it's ever been. I think it's the rise of feminism and all like from a 360 holistic perspective, travel, mm-hmm. we're no longer bound to the cities that we grew up in. And then obviously technology, but the three of those things combined have really just fully changed the landscape. And Pew Research Center did an interview, or I mean, did a survey in 2022 Mm -hmm. of couples and one out of 10 met their significant other on a dating app, which means that nine out of 10 don't. And yet we're all dependent on these apps, but they don't work and they're not meant to work. Sean Rad, who created Tinder, literally said to Time Magazine in 2014, um, I'm going to botch the quote, but something to the effect of, they're games. These, 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 these are games, and people aren't even going to care that they're not finding love because the game is going to be so fun. Those are, those are his words, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? Yeah. And Tinder came out in 2012. So, and they're constantly doing these like rebrands and trying to appeal to different audiences, but nothing has actually changed in terms of the algorithm. We also know that uh, certain apps will throttle like the threshold and hold back matches. And there's just, there's so much bullshit. that oh, goes. Wait, so what do you mean by throttle the threshold? Well, um, if I know that you're super into dark haired, tall brunettes, mm-hmm. I'm going to go put them in like your standout section, whatever that is. I know that I'm not going to let you actually match with those people because those are the people that you're attracted to. And then I'm going to make you pay to talk to them. Gotcha. So I feel like once you realize <laughs> kind of how the sausage gets made, it's hard not to ignore that. Plus I was having just really bad experiences. You know, I had a string of about a year where I dated a bunch of different dudes who all said that they were interested, available, looking for what I was looking for. And then it was, I mean, it was crazy thing after crazy thing. Like I had someone's therapist break up with me for them. Oh, wait, wait, back. Wait, wait, you can't go over that story. (laughs) You have to tell me that story. I just, I, it is what it is. It was like, we were dating for a couple of weeks and then it was like, uh, my therapist says that we can't date and that's the end of that. I was like, 
sir, you're in your 40s. <laughs> what the actual fuck? <laughs> and that was actually like not even the worst, you know, like I, I it was bad. I mean, this guy I was dating, um, his ex found out that we were dating. She ended up in the emergency room because she tried to take her own life, which is not funny. Um, but like, that's the level of crazy. And what's nuts is all of these people I met on apps, but I had at least like one person in common with them. So they weren't even total strangers. And it just felt like the volume on the insanity got turned up. Mm -hmm. And I, I just had to dip. I was like, this is not and I also felt myself not wanting to – I didn't want to waste the time. I didn't right. want to go meet these people. I and feel. I implement, like, FaceTime dates. Like, I implement things even before, and it was just kind of like I was burnt out. And so I think if you get to that point, it's not good to keep going. Like, you have to find yeah. the excitement yeah. or the joy in it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Why did Absolutely. you get off of them? I got off of them for a couple of reasons. So I lived in New York, and then I moved to L.A., Mm -hmm. And I don't drive. I'm scared because okay. I'm so used to like, you know, taking the metro yeah, of course. And, and walking everywhere. So it became a very different thing for me because I had to get on in an Uber to go on mm. some of these dates. Like sometimes I would be like, I'm not going to say the name of the neighborhood, but meet me in so-and-so neighborhood because it's, a, it's walking distance from me. But, but I felt that they were getting expensive. And, and I didn't really want to put that investment into someone that I wasn't sure if I'd like them or not. And, and I found, and I, I don't want to make a generalization, but I found dating in LA was a little different than dating in New, in New York. York. I did. Oh, I actually liked dating in New York a little better. I mean, I don't love either one of them, but I liked it in New York a little better. And I find because I'm, I'm older than you, there's this thing in California, I feel like a 50-year-old guy feels like he could be not even a good looking 50 year old guy could be with like a 30 something year old woman. And that's like his right. So I, I just feel like it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a different game here. And the expectation is a little different. Interesting. Yeah. I think that that's true. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how true it is in practice, but I do think that that probably is. I mean, I've seen it with some of my guy friends who are older than me who are in their forties and, mm -hmm they're still dating women in their like twenties. And I've just flat out been like, I think that that's absolutely creepy. I think, they, I think it's creepy and I think something's wrong with you. Right. And what do they say when you say that? Uh, silence. Yeah. Now, mind you, I would definitely date someone like 10, 15 years younger than me. <laughs> I have no issue with that. For me, that, that works and I prefer that. But I, but I do think a 40 something year old guy and a 20 something year old woman, that's a, that's a big life difference. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> right? That's a very big life difference. Yeah, your prefrontal cortex doesn't develop till you're 25, so. Yeah, I mean, and may maybe, that, maybe that's what they prefer. Maybe, yeah, you maybe. You, you don't know. You, it, it makes you wonder. It does beg the question. But I also think, you know, right. like I, I, LA is just a very specific place. and It is. There's a lot of Peter Pan and there's a lot of um, looking over your shoulder to see who the, the tyranny of choice or the paradox of choice that dating apps have created is also like LA had had that cornered forever. Right. It was just different. It wasn't necessarily on dating. It was like, is there someone more important in the room? That's exactly right. So it is kind of like a double whammy in the city. So, so I would prefer to meet someone in person. Mm 
I mean, that, that's, I, I mean, I'd like to meet someone at the supermarket, or I'd like to meet someone at the theater, or I produce plays. I'd like to meet someone in the work I do. That, for me, would be the ideal way. And that's what are you doing to try and ensure that that happens? <laughs> Here we go. I knew this would happen. Probably nothing. So <laughs> probably not okay. enough. But I, ha- but I have to tell you this. Since I haven't been dating... I have been more successful and gotten more done in my life. It's like unbelievable because yes. for me, dating became a distraction, not only just time-wise, but a distraction in my mind of going over all those things. Does he like me? Am I good enough? Blah, blah, blah. Like the hamster wheel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't always a healthy one. And now that I don't I don't have- think it ever was a healthy one. <laughs> right. That's right. So now that I don't have that hamster wheel going, it's amazing how much more I'm getting done. That is not surprising. Yes. And my advice yeah. unsolicited would be don't, Please. don't go back to dating until you feel like you have a control on that. Correct. That's exactly you know? right. That's because exactly it's like right. To be a prisoner in your own mind sucks. And it's like to give away all of that energy and that attention to a stranger that hasn't even earned it is, is when I say it, it sounds dumb, you know, like we all have done it, but if I say it out loud, it's like, Ooh, yeah, that's embarrassing. Don't want to do that. I know. And when I hear you say it, it's like, Oh, I get the ick factor, Mm -hmm. but it's amazing that we do it. And so, so for me, it's actually been very good for me not to be dating. And I spend um, part of my time living in Asia. I'm going on a Thursday in Taiwan. I know, in Taipei. So I'm sort of like, wow, I really am open to meeting someone there, but it would be good if I could meet someone who spoke English. But I am open. Or maybe, maybe it's, maybe as I said that, as I said it, I'm like, well, maybe they don't need to speak. Alternatively. Maybe, maybe maybe it's better if they don't, if they don't speak English. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So what is some of the best dating advice you've ever gotten? Oh God. I mean, I asked that. That's like how I I close out every every episode of my show. So I've gotten a lot of it. That's why I asked you that. You know I had a friend, her name is Paloma. Um, she's a Broadway actress and she was in Spielberg's um, West Side Story. And mm-hmm. she, she's amazing. And I did not know she was going to say this and it really caught me off guard. I asked her the same question you asked me. And then she said, leave people better than you found them. And I love that advice. Um, I don't think we think about relationships like that very often, even our friendships. And and yeah. I'm a great friend, but I've never really thought about like, oh man, I should be leaving people better than I found them. I love that. And it's amazing advice. And if we all did that, I think that the world would be a better place. And I think that it's really hard to do that when you are angry or you feel misunderstood or not seen but to try and come back to that and keep that in your mind is, is so important before you go into conversations um, or like heated conversations. Yeah. I also think. Um, what well, can I just say what I also love about that so much is so much and maybe I feel like LA is this way, but maybe everywhere is this way. So much people are like, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that quote because it's about what am I giving? Yes. Yeah. And I think it's just taking that extra two cents to, or <laughs> two cents, the extra two seconds to 
think about, hmm, if I say this thing, like, what am I really trying to accomplish? Am I trying to lash out or am I trying to be heard? You know, like, what is my actual goal here and what's the best way to achieve it? And I don't know that we approach a lot of relationships like that. And so, and it's an easy thing. It's like an easy mantra to keep in your head. And I, so I love that. Um, I also love believe people when they show you who they are. That's a, that's a big one. That's a huge one because it's so true. And we don't really do that. No. I'm better about that with friends. I mean, I'm better about that just now. Like I just... Uh, I'm a very different person than I was a couple of years ago, but, uh, yeah, when people show you who they are, believe them. That is another one that, that comes up in different, different iterations. Um, I've gotten advice on, Ooh, you know, Nancy Jo Sales, who I adore said something great. It was advice from her mom. She was asking her mom about like, how do you have sex? And she didn't mean it from like a technical, like, how do you have sex? She meant it like, how do you have good sex? Yeah. And her mom just said to her, if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. And she was saying that, yes, that totally applies to sex, but it really applies to all relationships. Like if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. If you're sitting there wondering if he's going to call you and it's stressful, eject. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting how hard it is for people to eject. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because, because a lot of people are trying to prove they're, they're lovable. Worth. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it, go, it goes back so, it really goes back so deep. I think there's nothing more important than the pursuit of love. Yeah. It's one of the things that makes us different and it is community love and feeling seen and heard uh, directly affects your quality of life. Now, not all of that has to be romantic. I mean, we're in a sex recession and now more than ever, there's less marriage. There's more single people than ever before in history. And that might be the new normal and maybe it won't. I don't know. But I I don't think that relationships are – romantic relationships are the be-all, end-all. I'm also – a lot of people want them. And I also believe that if that's what you want, you can have it. Like mm-hmm. I am of the mind that – if you want to be in love and in a great, happy, healthy relationship, it's entirely possible. Right. But if that's the goal and that's the priority, that comes with some very firm boundaries. We got to put guardrails around that and not go outside of those. And that's where I think people slip up. So do you think it's so important if you're someone who's choosing to go back out in the dating world or to meet that partner to know, to not only know what you want, but to know what you don't want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And take it a step further. And it's like, so if what you don't want is someone who is unsure about you, mm-hmm. well, how does that manifest? Or if what you don't want is someone that isn't thoughtful or doesn't prioritize you, or I'm trying to think of something that isn't that, like... Maybe what you don't want is someone who drinks or mm-hmm. doesn't work out. I don't know. Like everybody has different things. I would just be like, what does that look like in practice? Like, let's get really clear about that and know what it looks like so that when you see it in its like minuscule baby broken down form, mm-hmm. you know that that's a red flag. It sticks in your mind as a red flag. And instead of going, mm, maybe it's just one red flag, we go, no, 
it's going to be easier to walk away now than in a month or three months or a year. Because a lot I of us will you. ignore that. We'll go, oh, but everything else is going so well. And it's but, like, well, that's why deal breakers are a short list and they're very real. Right. And they are deal breakers. It's it's, But it is being really clear about like what you can and cannot live without. And the I will say this. The one thing that I hear in almost every single story that people tell me mm-hmm. is there was always a moment. There was always a flag. There was always a moment that was either ignored seen, not taken too seriously, but everybody can go back and go, that was when I knew. I didn't really know, but that was when I knew. Or that was when I knew and I ignored it. Yes. That's the that's the one thing all of these stories have in common. And people write to you, do people write to you and ask you questions or how does that oh, work? Oh yeah, like all the time. Yeah. People write to me via email, they DM me. I'm really careful about being anonymous. Like I black block everybody's name out like my show is not ever at the expense of guests or people that write in because again that's like not what it is about right I get um sometimes people just want to say hey I was on a date and this guy body shamed me and then my response is like should we murder him (laughs) (laughs) just just a joke just a joke like no then my response is like I am horrified on your behalf and sometimes that's all they want to hear Sometimes they just want to be able to tell me because they're too embarrassed to tell their friends. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking bonkers. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. And like, if you want to share it on the show, great. And if you don't, oh, let's just talk it out. You know, I, I have had people come and say, hey, I'm dating two guys at once. I don't really know what to do. I don't know um, who I like. And one's inviting me on a trip. And now I feel guilty about the other one. And I'm like, well, you should go on both. <laughs> You know, like if you're not exclusive, do both. Um, sometimes people- Would you say that there, would you say there's a recurring question that get at, that gets asked more than others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet you know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I feel so much, I feel so much pressure, Rory. Uh, I'm not sure. I think the number one thing people want to know is how do I meet someone? Okay. That's the number one thing. It's like, why is this- why is this so hard? And what do you tell them? I think it's a mix of trying to give, well, trying to learn a little bit more because everybody's situation is different. And right. then trying to give a mix of like steps that they can actually take. With- okay, so let's let's do this for a quick second. I'm totally putting myself out there. I'm putting yeah. my right. So I say to you, I want to meet someone, mm-hmm. whether in America or Asia. I want to mm-hmm. meet somebody. Yeah, well, I would be what, like, well, what, what are, are we doing now? That was why I asked you. I was like, what are we doing now to meet someone? And you're like, not nothing really. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we want to meet someone, but we're doing nothing to meet someone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm. (laughs) That's, that sounds like we're setting yourself up for failure. Okay. It sounds like we're setting yourself up to feel bad because again, that's like, Hey, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So I'm just going to sit here and wish on it. I would be like, let's figure out some adjustments and how much time we're willing to allot to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this like, uh, I have 15 minutes a day to check my hinge matches or whatever, because we're going to use online dating. So what if I was, what if I was someone or am someone who's like, "Mm, I don't want to do online dating, right? Woman over 50. 
I know mm-hmm. you're young, but a woman over 50 doesn't want to do online dating. A lot of people I meet that I might like find really attractive are already married. So that's completely out. So it's like, where do I find those? Yeah, men? but they're not completely out in that those people might have friends. Okay. I think that we get really focused on uh, you're just trying to meet the person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you're trying to meet people. Because like, what if I know someone that is like an eligible man that's single in his fifties, mm-hmm. you know, like this could come from anywhere. It's not going to come from your good friends. If your good friends could have set you up with somebody, they already would have. Correct. So it's going to come from the outer rings or the, the, the randoms, the strangers. So it's really more about putting yourself out there. And I would suggest like, well, kind of going back similar to how to build self-confidence, I would say, what are some things that you love or what are some things that you'd like to learn or do? Mm -hmm. And how can we put you in those scenarios? Because that way you're going to be meeting new people, but you're going to be doing things that you love or investing in yourself. So maybe you're like, I love to hike. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's look into like walking, hiking clubs in your area. Let's figure out which ones you like. Let's meet some new people. And maybe it's all women. Okay. That's fine. Because women also know men, (laughs) you know, like this idea that it has to, that you're looking for the person is I think where people get caught up where no, like we're trying to introduce you to just lots of new people in general Mm -hmm. because a, you never know where your next investment's coming from. Your next best friend is coming from your next trip opportunity or somebody who could introduce you to somebody that you want to go on a date with or you love, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's a mindset shift. It's being really open. Like right. I think there's a Sex in the City episode about the light, the cab and the light being on or off. I think you have to get really clear with yourself. Like when I go out in public, am I cab light on or cab light off? I think I'm cab light on. Which is great. But just be aware of it, right? Yeah. You know, sometimes I go and run and get coffee and my light is off. Oh, yeah. not getting, co- to- getting coffee, my light might be off. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to talk to people. I'm not trying to engage with people. But I do think that's a... It's a vibe, it's an essence, it's an aura, and it's an energy. And yeah. I mean, I might lose people being too woo-woo, but I think- Oh, I'm woo-woo, so I like that, actually. Energetically, like, you need to be open and receptive, mm-hmm. and especially for people, you're confident. Yes. You're confident, you're outgoing, uh, it's very obvious. And anybody listening to the show is going to know that, but that doesn't mean that everybody listening to you is. Mm-hmm. So some people need the practice- of like learning how to talk to strangers because if you're only your only experience is going to be talking to strangers when they're the person that you want to date that's going to be very scary but if you start talking to the person behind you in line waiting for coffee or at the dry cleaners picking stuff up and you're just used to making casual conversation then it's going to be so much easier when you do run into somebody that you're interested in and you want to spark up a conversation because it's just kind of natural and normal for you right that's Probably not something that you need to work on, but it might be something that uh, somebody people. else needs but to work on. But it's something that yeah. 1,000 percent, one thousand percent. Being open about it, you know, I am not on apps. I've I've focused more on my work, my business. Just I needed a break. I needed mm-hmm. to detox. Obviously, not from sex, but from dating. But I'm open with people. Like I let people know. I am interested in being set up. I'm interested in meeting someone, but I'm clear about it. I'm like, no, I'm good on dating. Like I'm not really looking for 
experiences anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm good on that. Um, I'm open. I obviously like I'm not trying to dive into a full-fledged relationship. I don't believe that that is real. But I like that you separated sex from dating. They're not the same thing. Correct. Not for me. <laughs> I mean, look, for some women, they're unable to have sex with people that they're not um, in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And that's totally okay. That's who they are. That is not who I am. And I think you just have to know where you stand on that spectrum and act accordingly. So for me, I am able to have sexual relations. I don't know why I said sexual relations. (laughs) That's so fucking weird. I'm able to hook up with people and have it be just that. Right. And so that works for me. And I like having sex and it's a part of my healthcare Mm -hmm. for me. So yeah, I continue that. And I have friends, friends with benefits, just people that I just have sexual relationships with. Right. And so, again, that kind of scratches the itch in terms of I don't need to just go on dates. Like, right. yeah. For me, at least right now. No. Obviously, that'll it, change. It, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely not the same thing. All the people that I have sex with, I feel like I have relationships with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's respectful. I don't. I don't feel taken advantage of or degraded in any way like I would never advocate for that Mm -hmm. but yeah (laughs) I have fun I did at your age too (laughs) (laughs) are you not at your age uh no because you don't by choice or um you know what I think happened I think what happened is COVID happened I think COVID happened I've heard of it yes I (laughs) would Yeah. And I was in New York City and I didn't leave my apartment for three months. And I think, you know, being a cancer survivor, just just my body, just I felt very, very hyper, hyper vigilant. So now I feel like I'm at the place. I feel like I'm a virgin again because it's been so long. So it's like either I'm just going to go and get it over with Mm -hmm. or it's just going to really be wonderful. Like like that's I'm sort of in that place. So, so right now, no, I'm not. And, and do you want to change um, that? I do. You know, it's interesting. I met this, uh, I met this guy at a wedding, right? Younger, much younger. And I was very, very attracted to him. And he was very attracted to me for reasons uh, we made out, but it didn't go beyond that. But what he did for me was he turned on that switch. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, Rory, for days, I felt like I was 16 years, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't eat. I could like, I'd like that part of me, because that has always been a huge part of my life is my sexuality. And that part, because it's a huge part of who we are, felt mm-hmm. amazing. And I loved that. So that made me go, wow, I really want to find that again. But I haven't met someone I felt that way about. Not even necessarily to have a relationship with, but to have that like feeling. That sexual spark with. That yeah. spark. That yeah. spark. And that spark is important to me. You know? That, well, yes, I agree. I mean, I'm not out here banging uggos. No. <laughs> That's awesome. What a gift that that happened. I definitely yeah. think it's entirely possible. And I'm so curious as to when that's going to happen for you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm so going to message you. I hope you do. Oh, I am. Yeah. I'm, to- I'm totally going to let you know. I mean, look, there's, if you are looking for strictly like a casual encounter, 
Field is a great option. I don't know if you've ever. So I have to tell you, someone that I interviewed a while ago talked about that app. Yeah. Second time I heard about that app. Yeah. So we can discuss. I can help you with that if you would like. (laughs) I I fear like I'm going to get all these messages on Instagram. So, hey, I listened to your episode. I'm I'm... (laughs) DTF. Honestly, you know, as long as be respectful about it, but yeah, slide right in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah, Um, exactly. So I really put myself out there just now, which is good. It's yeah, this is great. This is is great. But that's part of it. Like, thing is, is if you don't, people don't know. People aren't always super confident, especially in the world that we're living in right now, where everybody wants to be respectful of like um, not coming off as creepy. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. If you don't know that you're a, if, if I didn't know a guy, I'm pretty good sleuth online. <laughs> But I'm not sliding into someone's DMs if I if they have a girlfriend. I mean, first off, that is so Absolutely. unattractive to me and not my vibe. But like, I would be mortified. Actually, I did do this. I was out with some friends at a club. It's just a sentence that I do not normally say. And this was earlier this year. And one of my friends is an actress. And she was on a show mm-hmm. that this guy created years ago. And um, he's older than me. and a dad and he's just seemed really safe. So like, I think that hookups are best done with people that you know Mm -hmm. you would never end up with. So for some, it's like dating somebody that has opposite political views as you, if you can stomach it. I couldn't Um, do that. It's just a very good good example. example. It is a good Um, example. I couldn't do it either, but that's, or like you're sober. And they're not, if you could handle that. You know, right. I think it's like I ended up dating or <laughs> I call it dating. I ended up hanging out <laughs> with someone who just was not ambitious at all. So not something that I could get on board with long term. Right. But it didn't really matter in our scenario. But it's something that it's never going to, I'm never going to see this person as long term attractive. Right. So I think they make the best like friends with benefits, hookup buddies, whatever. Anyway, I'm setting this up because this guy was very much that. Like he's a dad to two kids. He's, I thought he was hot and I was like, he's safe Mm -hmm. in that I'm not going to fall in love with him. And also I don't think this guy is going to like mistreat me. Right. So before we we left, I like walked up to him and was like, hey, and I just very to the point was like, if you want to have sex sometime, like we should hook up. You can find me. I'm, you know, on her friends list on Instagram, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, holy shit. What a direct pitch. I was like, yes. He was like, no notes. I was like, great. I was like, you know, whatever. No, no, no pressure. And then I didn't hear from him. And then I found out that he got back together with his girlfriend. And I was so mortified because I never in a million years would have done that. Right. Um, At the end of the day, it's like, who really gives a shit? I just boosted his ego and I don't care about that. Right. And also I don't actually think that's embarrassing. It's just I'm giving an example of I wish I had known that his light was off. Right. I would have just not done that. Right. But I love that you did that, that you were comfortable doing that. Yeah. I don't know if people realize, but we're all going to die. We get one life. 
we're yeah. all we're all headed to <laughs> to death. Yeah, we, I know we, that that's yeah. morbid, but it's just like guys. <laughs> Can I tell you? For me, it's not morbid because when I um, was diagnosed with cancer, you said like you had your moment when everything mm-hmm. changed. When I was diagnosed with cancer, that's when everything changed for me. That's when my whole life changed because I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I am going to die. And and all my decisions changed, the way I look at life every day, the way I treat like life every day. Because for me, every day, not to sound woo-woo and hokey, is an extra gift. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. That doesn't sound hokey at all. That sounds very rational and, and makes so much sense. And I just think that a lot of us forget. We do. That 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 call could come tomorrow. That car could come out of nowhere. Like it's just, life is just not promised to us. Yeah. And when you zoom out, yeah, sometimes I think about it and I cringe and I'm like, Rory, God, you are so cringe. And then I'm like, yeah, but I don't care. Like, that's definitely not what I'm going to be thinking about on my deathbed. I didn't like actually offend anybody. This wasn't, this, this isn't a bad thing. Also, he could have said yes and I would have had sex with him. And, and who knows, maybe we will someday in the future. Um, And yeah, it could have gone a totally different way. And then this could have been a different story, but you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You do which kind of goes along with this whole thing of putting yourself out there and dating and all of that. It's like, do it within the boundaries and confines that are going to like make you feel good about yourself, but you have to put yourself out there. If it's something that you want, if it's something I say, I really truly want, I do have to put myself out there. I'm going to put myself out there in Asia. (laughs) That's great. I am. That's amazing. I think I'm going to. I mean, like, why not? I already said to my assistant, I, I said to her, I go, you know, I said, Daphne, I said, I want you to put it out there. I would like to meet someone when I'm in Taipei. She goes, really? Can I? I go, yeah. I go, why not? I think that that's great. Like, it's also, it's all practice. Yes. We put a lot of emphasis on the finish line when it comes to love and relationships, but it really is a it's a journey and it's a practice and we don't do that with friendships weirdly enough we just sort of do that with romantic relationships and you know dan savage i think i think is credited with this idea or concept or at least i think of him when i think of this mm-hmm. he talks about like so if you knew that you could be happily married for 15 years but your significant other was going to cheat on you once would you still do it Like, why do we treat love and relationships like it's this lump sum game that like everything else in your life, if you mess up, it's not considered a failure. But with relationships, if you break up or get divorced, that's a failure. If somebody steps out once, that's a failure. We don't really look at it holistically and think about it as the experience, like what we learned, what we gained, how we changed, how we evolved. You know, like I think when couples get divorced and they co-parent, whatever, I'm like, that is such an accomplishment. Correct. We need to stop making that seem like it's a negative or shaming that because it's not doing anybody a disservice. So yeah, I don't know. It's practice. I think you should totally do that. I think you should do an episode on it. And <laughs> while I'm um, there, what an episode while I'm in Asia. Yeah. Why don't you chronicle your your journey putting yourself back yeah. out there? Like yeah. what you learned dating in a different country because I don't have experience dating in Asia. Nor do I. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted on that too. Right. Yeah, it could be complete, 
I know. It could be completely, completely different. I read, again, tell me if I'm right or wrong, because you just said the word shame. I read that you said shame is your mortal enemy. Yeah, for sure. I think it holds a lot of people back. I think that we as a society, specifically in the United States, grow up with a lot of shame, whether it's because we are in female bodies that have basically been just taught to hate ourselves, whether we are outside of the norm in terms of like who we are attracted to and it's Mm -hmm. not like a cis heteronormative relationship, whether it's that we like butt stuff or, you know, whatever it is. Um, or we're just ashamed to have a conversation and say, I really like you and I would really like to be in an exclusive relationship. For some reason, we've labeled things as like thirsty or needy or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I think that vulnerability is strength. I, I think that the more we dismantle the shame around STIs or whatever it is, the better listened, off we're going to be. I listened to your episode about that with the young woman. Oh, yeah. I I mean, look, I think that uh, if 67% of the world has herpes, and yet, man, I mean, I can't think of anything else that we as a society have, like, criminalized more when it comes to, when it comes to, like, sex. Yes. It's, like, the number one fear. And I get it. I mean, it's, like, it doesn't see... I'm not trying to get it. Yeah, but, no, me either. Yeah. But but I also think part of the problem is we don't really know a lot about it, mm-hmm. that we're all scared of it. We're not very well informed. And then we treat people like they're these disgusting monsters when what? One and two One have and it? Two. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's probably, I'm going to guess, I don't know, that a large percentage of people have it and don't know they have it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's common. So if you go get an STD or STI um, panel, they don't include it. Which is insane to me. Why do you think they don't include it? I know why they don't include it. Um, because the psychological damage outweighs the actual medical significance. I heard that from a doctor. The psychological damage that it does to people who find out that they are herpes positive but have never had a symptom or never had an outbreak is so great and so severe that they just stopped including it. That really tells you all you need to know. I know. That's why I, I have absolutely no words. That's why I had yeah. no verbs. But so I those no are the kinds of things that like I really just feel like if I can influence one person to feel less bad about it or just educate somebody and make them realize some of these things that we're going to be better off. I agree with you on that because when I do, when I have all these conversations with people, I think if one person, yes, you'd like hundreds and thousands to be affected, of course, but if I could, or you could touch one person's life, that's a win. Yeah. And I get those DMs. I get those emails. Like I, I know that it happens because not a lot of people want to talk about that. Not a lot of people want to talk about abortions. Not a lot of people want to talk about these things, but they're, they really do affect a lot of people's lives. Everyone, Everyone. not just vulva owners. So yeah. No, they affect everyone. That's why I have this podcast. That's why it's like sex after addiction, sex after cancer, sex. I mean, there's a million things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to have these conversations about, which I feel that people are not comfortable having. 
Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about sex after marriage. Ooh. Because I think also there's like, I did an episode with um, Monica Padman who was a virgin until her thirties. And I, I think that there's like, I'm so interested in hearing from that perspective because there's so many people out there that like haven't lost their virginity and then feel like they're othered or weird because of it. Right. Um, yeah. No, that's it. I, I literally post-it wrote, I wrote sex after marriage. Great. That's, that's a big one. Cause I know many people that really stopped having sex after they got married. Oh, I meant more like waited till marriage, but yes. Oh, oh, I thought I, I meant like, you know, while you're married, how that changes. Well, that's also, yes, I hear about that as well. So I have these exit questions that I like to ask. They're sort of fast and furious, but you can take your time if you need to. (laughs) So my first question to ask you is what does true intimacy look like to you? God damn, this is an exit (laughs) question. Oh, you got five of them. You got five, you got five more. So five total. I think true intimacy is being able to be literally and metaphorically naked with someone with ideally without fear but really with or without fear why do you think we are so obsessed with sex i think we're so obsessed with sex because it's everywhere and Mm -hmm. it's super taboo um we've been marketed sex from such an early age, whether it's selling hamburgers or perfume or in movies, and yet we're never really taught what sex is. And also there's nothing more taboo than pleasure, specifically female pleasure. So I think the intersection of, or like the absence of so much knowledge and understanding while it's everywhere and it just feels ubiquitous, creates this like weird dichotomy where it's hard not to be obsessed with it. Also, you know, (laughs) when you see someone bent over in a bathroom having an orgasm 30 seconds after penetration and then you can't do that, it starts to make Mm -hmm. you wonder like, wait, what am I missing? What is it that I don't know? Right. And then obviously you're going to want to figure that out. And if people don't talk about it, if they're not sharing this information, how do you, how do you know? How do you learn? We have to talk about it more. I mean, I just, Uh, yeah. I can, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it's, it's the not talking that causes the shame and causes the pain. Yeah. And then that would make me obsessed with something. What's something in your after that you're still working on? I think I am working on, God, I'm working on so many things that this is why there's, (laughs) this is hard. I'll always be working. So that's one thing because life is a journey and there's no such thing as perfection. So like I'll always be working in my after, but I think one thing specifically when it comes to dating is letting go of some of the 
pressure that I feel being the daughter of a really healthy, happy marriage. My parents um, got engaged after two months of dating and they've been happily married ever since. And I feel like that has cast a really long shadow that I have been under and I'm trying to get out from under. Um, So I guess that's one thing that I'm working on. That really um, hit me because I think that my mother died when I was 17. Mm -hmm. And I think that changed me in relationships because fear of abandonment. I mean, loving someone that they're, and they're going to leave. Yeah. For sure. I don't think about it that often, but when you said that, it made me think that. For sure. It doesn't matter how idyllic or shitty our childhoods were, they are imprinted on us. So they're going to inform a lot of what we do or what we like are, are chasing or running away from. And I think that I've gotten really clear about the fact that, you know, my parents hit it out of the park. And so I want to hit it out of the park and I want to have what they had. And uh, it's created a lot of pressure. So I, instead of looking at partners as, is this somebody that I feel like I could work and evolve with? I'm trying to find the person that is already right. And I think that that is creating an unreasonable expectation, not only for that person, but also for what a relationship is. Because again, I think that love is a verb. And so it's a moving, evolving organism that's going to be changing. And the one thing that I've realized in the relationships that do quote unquote work is it's just two people who are willing to not give up and are willing to constantly put in effort. And that doesn't actually require somebody to be like the perfect package or whatever as I meet them. That just means I need them to have certain qualities and be willing to try and not give up. But it's taken me way too fucking long to come to that realization. So. But the try, the try and not give up is, is because we're in such a society of wanting things now and it to be perfect, that there's really something to the, you'll, you'll hit bumps, but to keep going. Yeah. I also wasn't there when my parents started dating. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the reaction to that. I'm, I'm the result of that. So I grew up seeing this thing that was already like fully cooked and right and getting to experience it. But it's kind of like goes back to that idea of like, we have this narrative or this idea and it's only just a sliver of it. It's not the full picture. So right. it's, it's really unfair it. to, to try and match up or level up or expect that somebody else, like a random stranger is going to come in and, compare to this thing that I've had my whole life. What is one thing you'd say to someone going through what you, what you did or one, some, something you'd say to someone in the dating world or Mm. it could be more than one thing. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, uh, I don't think you're going to find the love that you want if you don't already have that love for yourself. I also would say like, if you were feeling disheartened, step back and take a break and try to like fix the mindset before you go back out there because I do think it's possible. I actually do really truly in my soul fully believe 
that love is out there for anyone and everyone. Like I actually know that it's there for me and it's coming for me. I have zero fucking doubts about it. I joke about it a lot. And the only reason I'm able to joke about it is I know that it is a hundred percent coming and the timing will be right. And I'm not really worried about it. What would you say to that person who doesn't have that belief that it's coming? Well, that's where the work is. Yeah. Because look at anything else in your life. If you didn't believe that you could be a doctor, you probably wouldn't be a doctor. Like if you didn't believe that you could have a podcast, you wouldn't have started a podcast. That's the first roadblock. And until you start quieting those voices, you're truly going to be tortured by them. Because it's amazing how many women I know over a certain age who are like, it's just never going to happen. And I find myself going, you, you don't, first of all, you don't want to even put that out there because it can happen. I just, I just think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen to a lot of women who are over 50. My grandmother mm-hmm. met her boyfriend when she was at 85 or 87. Oh my God. Like, How you know what I mean? Meet? Like, yeah, I don't even know. I truly, I think in bridge club, like, I think that's where they met. So part of me is like, that's not true. You have to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Um, If you really think that you have like, if you're just damaged goods, you're buying into the patriarchy, you're buying into this narrative that women have an expiration date. And honestly, if like you really feel about that, that's then, then go off and move into the woods, go into a cabin and just melt and disappear. I mean that not really no, like, but if that's your, like, you can't actually believe that. So stop fucking saying that. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and start taking some action. Like that thought is so unattractive. No wonder you don't feel great about yourself. And that's not me. I don't believe that, but I have had other people. Yes. I know. I I hear it too. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it too all the time. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, well, great. Congratulations. The patriarchy won. Because we don't feel that way about men. And why is that? Oh my God, we don't. That's so true. So I'm sorry, but like you're trying to tell me that women who are fucking amazing that could do anything that literally birth humans and then go to work the next week, which I don't also advocate for, (laughs) that can do like anything, have an expiration date. I'm sorry, but that's just not true. It's just not true. It's just not real. And someone has convinced you that, and you have been got and got. You've fallen into the worst, like, pyramid MLM scheme on the face of the planet, which is that women shrivel up and die, and they're no good after a certain age. And that is crazy town. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. So that truly pisses me off. (laughs) No, that's good. I like your passion. I, me no, just I like yelling, me just yelling yeah. at women over 50. What so, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. So that's how we'll end the podcast. We're going to end the podcast with Rory screaming at everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I'm sorry, but I refuse to feel sorry for you. You have so much more life to live and things to give. And you're going to be the person that shuts that down with that kind of attitude. Because we don't feel that way about men, and men aren't walking around no. with that attitude. So oh that's God. part of it right there. Men are walking around with the attitude that they can date a woman who's 25. I mean, I know, but this idea that, like, be a cougar, be a hot bitch. Oh, like, I've I don't, been. like, there's so many 
routes, vibes, images that you can create in your mind that are just way there's something so hot about an experienced woman. There's yes. something so amazing about what you have to offer. Also, there's so many men that don't want more kids. Like, cha-ching, you got that going for you. There's, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, so. I'm I'm so with you and I, I completely agree. Yeah. I am going to message you and let you know how it goes in Taipei. I hope you do. Yeah. Oh, I totally I, am. I have a good, I have a good vibe about this. And, and this was really, um, it was really great to talk to you for me personally, because it opened up my mind as to oh, the good. places where I hold my blocks because we all mm-hmm. have our own blocks, right? Yeah. So it was very, very insightful for me. Oh, good. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. That, that, that makes me feel better. I mean, yes, we all have blocks and so do I. I'm, I'm a very imperfect person that's constantly working on myself and I think this is just a gift or a skill that I've been given to help other people because it's so easy for me to look at other people and be like, I don't know what the fuck you're on, but you're amazing and you have got to start acting like it. We waste so much time and so much life not believing that we're the shit and think about all the opportunities that you're missing because you're not seeing your own potential. That's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah, (laughs) that's the hill. That's the hill I'm going to die on. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. Sex After is hosted by me, Amy Marks, and it's produced by Chris DeRosa. If you enjoy the show, I'd love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at Amy Marks and Sex After Podcast, or send me a message on my website at amymarks.com. And please follow, rate, and review the show and help us spread the word. Until next time.